Hi there, and welcome back to Good Distinctions. I'm your host, Will Wright, and Good Distinctions are the spice of life. I'm joined today by Sammy Carroll. Sammy, welcome to Good Distinctions. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So I guess we'll start sort of biographically. Uh, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> well, uh, first and foremost, I'm a wife and mother, and I'm also the education coordinator for Life Choices Women's Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona. Most of my job is going to give pro-life presentations to different parishes, schools, and youth groups. And I have a lot of other things I do, like coordinate volunteer opportunities. I'm hosting a couple of pro-life retreats, stuff like that. And I did have a podcast for a bit. Uh, I recently retired that. I tried, to, I tried to hang it up. We'll see if it comes back. But that's me in a nutshell. Excellent. And are those videos still available for folks to watch or, or the audio rather podcast? Yes. If you go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor, I actually don't think Anchor is a thing anymore, but um, Google, it's all there. It's called the Steadfast Podcast. It's actually Steadfast, a pro-life podcast because there's a lot of Steadfast Christian podcasts because, you know, we all have to be anchored. So, <laughs> Excellent. So not to start too broad, um, but what, what does it mean to be pro-life? And I know that's kind of a large question, but I think it's something that's pertinent because everyone listening will hear that and they'll immediately go, okay, this is a political episode. And I want to say from the outset, this is not a political episode. This is about being a human being, uh, actually. So what, what does pro-life mean to you? Like, what is, what does that moniker actually entail? I think that if I had a thesis statement for the pro-life movement, it is that we all want to be seen, known and loved and mm. that every human life is valuable at every stage. I always say to teens that we are womb to tomb people. We can make that into a great bumper sticker, you know, someday womb to tomb people. Um, most of the time when people hear pro-life, they immediately think babies, abortion, but it's also talking about issues, you know, in the, in, in the middle of your life. Uh, also particularly at the end of life and making sure that everyone has the dignity that God has given them. Essentially, to be pro-life, you believe that every single person has inherent dignity and we should be treated thusly from womb to tomb. Yeah. Well, St. John Paul II talks about all sorts of things in Evangelium Vitae and the gospel of life. He talks about abortion and euthanasia, but I mean, Catholic social teaching also covers work and the rights of workers. And those are life issues because again, it's everything that life touches. What is what does human life entail? Well, it's, it is everything from womb to tomb and everything in between. And I think a lot of the times the pro-life movement might get a bad rap as being singularly focused on one issue. Um, but I think that's more a matter of maybe the climate of the day is just that abortion is the preeminent issue as the U S bishops uh, put it in a document a couple of years ago, that it is a priority because if we don't have the right to life, we have nothing. It's the foundational basis of everything um, that we have. Um, and again, this isn't political. It's not just as Americans. I'm talking about natural law. Uh, we don't have any other rights, any natural rights without, you know, being alive. And so I think it's a fairly common sense thing and, and very much based on human dignity, just the fact that this is a human rights issue uh, more than a political issue. And it's also and, not a woman's issue. It's a ah, human thank issue. thank you for saying that. So mm -hmm. I wondered if, uh, if people listening might go, well, why is he talking? 
Well, first of all, don't assume my gender. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. The beard's a dev giveaway. Um, but, but no, I don't know. I saw a, a uh, quote pregnant woman with a beard. <laughs> what a world we live in. Um, <laughs> so, Jesus, you can come anytime now. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready. I went to confession not long ago. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, we do live in confusing times, and there's a lot of different issues that are all sort of entangled together. Um, and so you give these talks uh, all over the place. What sort of people, I shouldn't say what sort of, <laughs> who do you encounter? Um, what groups of people um, do you encounter most? I mostly speak to teenagers and they are usually Catholic, but I did just go to like Valley Lutheran high school, which was interesting. And I went to a Catholic high school. And unfortunately, just because you go to a Catholic high school does not mean that you are remotely Catholic or even have any respect for Catholicism. So that's kind of where I see a lot of the kids that are kind of glaring at me, not very happy with me. Um, but then I also have spoken to parishes, to Newman centers, I've given some talks on retreats, and we actually have done some presentations for preschool to sixth grade, and that is hard. I'm not even allowed to say the words pro-life, you know, or pro-choice. Mm. Um, you know, you don't talk about abortion to a five-year-old, but yeah, so uh, primarily teenagers and young adults, but I have been able to speak to people about this from, you know, five years old to like 92. And it, it does matter what the audience, um, what the audience is composed of. I mean, it matters who's mm -hmm. out there. It matters who's listening. Uh, I imagine that would change the way that you're speaking, not just in like the words that you can say or not say. Um, but I imagine even sort of the tack that you take or, or the different angles, like speak to that a bit, maybe like what, how does it yeah. change? So well, I'm an English take major. Take the uh, the Lutheran the Lutheran school that yeah, you went to. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I um, so I was an English major. I love rhetoric. So I usually, even when I was a youth minister, I was a youth minister for six years. Whenever we would do these hot topic nights, I would go eat those pathos logos, and then I would like you know be like Theos God, you know here we go. Um, but I would primarily try to walk them through science logic and give them some emotional arguments as well, and then bring in the theological mm. arguments, but with for example, actually, primarily, I give a lot of science, credibility, philosophy, logic. I kind of keep it there. Um, and then at the end, I point out to them, hey, did you notice that I didn't have to bring God into this because it's not a religious argument? And then add, of course, if we do add God into it, it gets even better and the argument becomes even more rock solid. But I was really sticking to science and logic, especially for the Catholic kids, especially when context, I already know that these kids hopefully are being told to abstain and hopefully already are pro-life. Honestly, they just don't know how to respond to some things. So I'm mm. trying to help them be able to defend the pro-life stance. But then when I went to Valley Lutheran, I was really trying to take more of the still philosophy and logic, but um, a bit more emotional arguments as well to try to, help them get there, like get their hearts there, I think, to realize. Um, I, I just gave this example to a bunch of kids. There was a video uh, on live action on their Instagram. And it just made me, I think I had to get off Instagram for a couple of days. Like I just <laughs> couldn't handle it. Um, it was this young man standing outside of Planned Parenthood crying 
trying to say, stop her. Please don't let her go in. Abby, don't kill her. Don't kill our baby. Don't kill our baby. And mm -hmm. that video, I mean, like you show that video to some kids that are pro-choice and I, at, at the very least, it's going to get them thinking. Um, and I mean, you automatically feel his pain, you know? So it kind of, I, I don't want to lead with emotion. I never like leading with emotional arguments because mm -hmm. um, I don't want to manipulate, manipulate the crowd by tugging on their heartstrings. I want to give them solid facts and logic, but um, it kind of depends on the, the group of people to see, to kind of get them started. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I teach, uh, I teach high schoolers and I teach Western Civ. And so it's like basically 1450 to present day. So we're talking about the enlightenment. We're talking about all of the different, uh, supposed conflicts between faith and reason. And it's difficult to to have that conversation because they're in some ways they're very jaded to even approach this argument. They say, well, faith is over here, reason's over here, and they shouldn't mix. And I, you know, religion's something I do, but I don't want to force it on anyone. Um, but there's a lot of things you just said there that I'd like to unpack. So I'll, I'll kind of there's three things, and I want to kind of take them piece by piece. So the first was, um, you said that the pro-life movement is not a religious movement necessarily, right? You don't have to bring in um, mm -hmm. the theological, and you don't. It's it's true. Uh, but I was talking to one of my uh, good friends who's a youth minister currently, and and he uh, he just, I don't know how serious he was being at the time, but he said, well, of course it's a Catholic issue. And I said, <gasps> that, well, that's interesting. But what he meant was that there's so much, I think it's the same sort of thing you were saying, like it makes it better. It adds more mm -hmm. power in some ways. And so I, at first I kind of recoiled, like you just said, and I'm like, well, no, yeah. it's, I'm it's about logic, like, dang it. Give me it's his about, name. <laughs> it's about science and facts, um, which is true. I mean, I know the, the March for Life a couple of years ago was uh, pro-life is pro-science. Like that, that was the mm -hmm. tagline. And it's true. We have uh, science on our side in the pro-life movement, absolutely, because we know when life begins. The biological conditions for life are all there. Um, it's incredibly clear. Um, and maybe we can get into uh, sort of some different argumentation and uh, a little bit later. But um, some of the other things that you mentioned about, okay, we don't want to go for emotional arguments all the time, but they do have their place. And I think I think it just points to this fact that we are body and soul. We have emotions for a reason. And sometimes what we see as emotions might actually just be the stirrings of our soul. It's a, a spiritual reality of, of compassion, maybe of solidarity with that uh, young man that you saw in the video. I saw that video too. And it's, it's you, you're moved by it, but I think it's deeper than just emotionally. I think there's a real connection, a human connection where it's like, wow, I mean, I know I feel that with uh, with these with the um, the unborn, um, these preborn babies that have no voice, are human beings, and I think that's really um, foundational, obviously, to any conversation that we'd have with anyone. Is uh, are the preborn members of the human race or not? Are they human beings, human persons, or not? Because if they are, then uh, we probably shouldn't murder them. And if they aren't, well, then who cares? We'll move on. New, new, new topic, new mm -hmm. issue. 
even with with just that, I feel like when the kids do have emotions, sometimes I feel like it's partially they're like they're fighting it because they they don't want to feel it. They don't want to mm. agree. Mm-hmm. And what I have seen across the board of teenagers, and I was going to get into this later, but I'm going to get into it now, is that they are very, very passionate about human rights. And so mm-hmm. you pretty much just have to get them on board about when a human is a human. And it's once you get them to know it's at conception, 96% of biologists say life begins at conception. And, you know, we look at Mars and, oh my gosh, we found one cell. So there's life on Mars. And like, oh, like we're upset about the somebody killing a, an, a pregnant elephant and like all this stuff where it's like, we are pro-life mm-hmm. for everything except for this topic. And once you get them on board with, no, it's a, it's a human immediately, then you can kind of really ensnare them and impassion them because of they're so passionate about the human rights issues, um, which I do love about Gen Z that they are, they want a cause to rally um, for um, or rally against too, unfortunately. Um, and so sometimes I feel like, uh, like I well, no, not sometimes. I, what I usually say in my presentations is that, you know, everyone before you has always said, we're the pro-life generation. And in reality, these this new generation has so many more capabilities than we ever did. Even, I mean, like we're I don't know about you. I'm 32. I've got plenty of time, but social media is just so far ahead. I mean, like we didn't have social media in high school and science, science, technology is just, we couldn't do this when I was in high school. You know what I mean? We couldn't have this, this video chat. And so I think that, uh, when they start to realize like the, the power that they have, like the, the capabilities they have to actually make a difference in the pro-life movement it's beautiful to see them get inspired. I'm also 32 and we nice. had a MySpace top eight and a theme song that you right? could pick. So come on. We did have social um, media. We had the best social media. Okay. That's true. <laughs> that part is true. I meant more like, you know, we didn't no, have to document every there. part of our lives in the photos. We didn't have picture. Like we couldn't, we couldn't take pictures at any time until like later in high school. Uh, one of my uh, one of my students told me that uh, one of her TikToks went viral, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> like, you got a few thousand views. She got five hundred thousand views. Oh my god! Like half a million, and I'm like, what was it? She was like, I'll show you after school. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so she goes and gets her phone, Uh-oh. shows me. It's literally her lip syncing to a song. What? And like making a sassy face and she's got some makeup on. And I'm like, 500,000 oh, no. views? So <laughs> I see this and I'm thinking to myself, this is nuts. Why can't Good Distinctions get views like that? Right? Was the first thing I, I said out here, loud. Like, oh, um, and she was like, don't worry, you'll get there one day, Mr. Right. I'm like, okay, whatever. Oh. Um, but <laughs> like, shut up, kid. But it's it's funny because they absolutely have a a real platform to mm-hmm. share um, to share these things instantaneously. And and you've had, I mean, we have some of that where I, I think it was uh, Justin Bieber is, is very actively pro-life and shares no, a lot of things. No, he's Christian. He, 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 all the time, it's like, it's Haley's body, whatever. And then Haley okay, will well, say, he was, Haley's he was before he was okay. married. 
Well, Haley is literally like a, a face, the face of Planned Parenthood. Like she just posted like a, hmm. you know, who's the face, you know, one of the faces like supporting. Um, and I've heard him in an interview say like, oh, it's Haley's body. It's her choice. That's I'm like, so you're upsetting. Christian, dude. It's so upsetting. But I do love how. Because he used totally, to be very pro Going off on a Bieber tangent. I do love how he, but he's still very Christian. Hmm. I remember, like, I like literally heard new Christian worship songs, worship songs, because of watching Justin Bieber's Instagram stories or lives, or whatever. So he's still, hmm. and he's very outspoken about his faith. I think that he's, I'm gonna say something kind of mean. I think he's just being a coward. Yeah, a coward. yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. He needs to just grow. I'm not gonna say that, but he needs to to stand up. I think he does scared. need to grow some balls. He does. Absolutely. He does. He See, I'm a man. A I can say that. It's a man's issue. He, he needs um, to grow a pair. <laughs> no, so that's, that's really upsetting, but also a really good example of, of the impact that people can have on each other. Um, Cause I'm, I'm telling you, I remember seeing an interview with him where he was saying that he was completely against abortion. He didn't even just say he was pro-life. He was like, abortion is wrong, period. And it's like, yeah, Justin, you got it, man. Um, okay, clearly that's there's, changed. There's hope, but hopefully it'll change back. Very, I think he's very careful about it. Like he, I don't think he ever says that he's pro-choice. I feel like he just basically is always just trying to look like I'm respecting Haley's decision. But mm. then Haley's just straight up just like posting, like she's like on Planned Parenthood's like Instagram or something. I don't know, but anyway. So on that topic, what what do you think is going through their minds? when it comes to Planned Parenthood, because I guess I'll put it this way. When uh, when the Dobbs decision came down, which was a great day, um, a lot of people I saw on social media were absolutely authentically terrified that mm -hmm. they were going to die yeah. because they didn't have access to abortion. Grossly um, misrepresents the laws. Because it's not saying that a, if a woman has a miscarriage, then she can't have a DNC. It's, that has nothing to do with an elective abortion. Um, so I just think it's insane. But anyway, enough of me rambling on about how insane it is. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what are people actually thinking? So I had a lot of people reach out to me as soon as that happened because I was I, I try to be very not like I'm clearly pro-life, but I don't go controversial or like i'm not gonna post like yay we won you know like i don't i'm not gonna rub it in people's faces i'll like post information um mm. so when like that that happened i was like posting like facts and that is when people like pro-choice people will actually reach out to you because if you're like woohoo mm -hmm. like guess what all you pro-choicers you suck no one's gonna talk to you um or actually have a good conversation so i mm -hmm. did get some people reaching out and it was the people that were freaking out about how they had had a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy and how they were going to be left to die. And um, I immediately, I mean, you just go to Arizona State Legislature and you look it up and it's like, oh, look, it says does not include miscarriage management or ectopic pregnancies. Um, that being said, we still should be not just like popping an abortion pill for an ectopic pregnancy. That's like a different thing. There's a there's a surgery um, and we can get into the into that the ethics of that later. But um, especially when that's mom's life podcast. Is in danger. I don't know if we have yeah, time. Well, but <laughs> mom's life one, but... in danger is one of the big yeah. uh, objections. So yeah, fair um, enough. So yeah, so they yeah, I think that um, 
objection wise, they, they were all coming from a place of fear because there wasn't a lot of information. And I did look at other states laws and some of them are really unclear. Some of them are creepily clear. Like Colorado is like, yes, this is a life. This is a human and we are going to kill it. It's like, so like, okay. Hmm. Um, and so I think that a lot of it was misinformation, a lot of responding from fear, thinking that they were going to be left to die. And um, people, a lot of people played on that fear even today, <laughs> People Magazine or whatever, I don't know, like Apple News, it popped up on my Apple News today that People were People Magazine were interviewing, was interviewing these ladies who almost died because they weren't allowed to have an abortion. And I'm sitting there like this woman is talking about how she only had like two or three days left to live. And I'm like, well, you're giving this interview. So <laughs> I have questions. Um, and I really think that the media really plays into everybody's fear, especially yeah. fear of death. And it's a culture of death anyway. So yeah, that's my long answer. It's, it's very disingenuous and it's not based in fact. And it seems like every time I've had a conversation with someone who's pro-choice, there, there are serious things that they are misinformed about. I mean, I'm, I'm always willing to, uh, assume good intentions and it's, it's difficult, uh, I think for people, especially folks who identify as pro-life because they say, well, how could I possibly, uh, understand someone who wants to kill babies? And it's like, well, that's, I get it emotionally. I've said it in private. Um, like when I'm really upset <laughs> and now publicly that I've said it in private, but, but I'm not going to say that to someone. And I, when I look at it and I examine it more, I'm like, okay, I don't actually think that, uh, mostly because that used to be me. Uh, I mean, when I was in high school, I, I had a, um, f rather misguided attachment to a certain news network, uh, CNN. And it was, it was not a good phase in my life. I'd watch headline news like every morning. Um, mostly because Robin Mead was like my crush when I was in freshman year. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, but like that, that gets to you, you watch it every day and you sort of start drinking the Kool-Aid and I, um, I was Catholic, but I, and I was going to church and I was going to youth group, but I kind of had this bifurcated life where, I would say, well, I'm Catholic. And then I'd think things that were completely opposed to the faith, like saying, I'm, well, I'm, I'm against abortion, but I'm politically pro-choice. Well, what, what the heck does that even mean? I didn't know at the time really. Um, but I held that. I was like, I can't tell a woman what to do with her body, which is a objection. That's ridiculous. Cause I'm not talking about the woman's body. I'm talking about a baby, which is another human being, but we can talk about the objections later. Anyway, I just want to say that here's how I, so you talk about tactics. Um, when I was in junior year, a district court judge uh, came to talk to our youth group and uh, he was a member of the parish, great guy. And uh, he gave a talk on life issues, abortion, euthanasia, a couple other things. And he basically just said, look, it's not open to us to be in favor of abortion in any way, shape or form. And I thought this is so strange because uh, I was really big into history at the time. I ended up getting a history degree, but I'm thinking, okay, this is a district court judge. Surely he has to be impartial. Surely he has to 
understand there's a separation of church and state and like my little teenage brain couldn't mm -hmm. fathom how wrong I was on a lot of these points. But I went up to talk to him after the talk and I said, you know, judge, I really appreciated what you've shared here, but you know, I just, I don't think I can tell a woman what to do with her body. And he just lit into me. I mean, he was, uh, we're in North Carolina, by the way. So he was yelling in Southern and <laughs> it was loud Terrifying. and there's like a hundred <laughs> people around me and I'm just like shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And he's saying, you don't get to say that we have to defend life from the moment of conception until natural death. And that's part of being a man. It's part of being a Catholic and basically get, a, get your head out of your ass was the gist of the conversation. <laughs> and uh, once I sort of took a breath and recovered from that, I was like, wow, you know, he's got a point. Okay. I guess I need to get off the fence. And for me, that's, that's really all it took. So I went more or less from being um, more left of center, like I'm going to be in line with, I guess, what the Democratic Party today would look like um, to sort of switching gears entirely and saying, nope, it's never okay under any circumstances to willfully and intentionally kill another human being, uh, murder another human being innocent life. So it's like, okay, well, that's a big change. So that, that was how I came to become more pro-life. Um, and obviously it's been a, a, a while since then we've already added ourselves about our age and I feel like I'm getting older <laughs> as every moment goes by. Um, yeah. When I looked up, uh, what the slang, why, why are people saying, Oh, she ate I'm like, what? Why? Well, I mean, she and did I, really I well. Literally, you know? I, I know. I, I, I kind of figured that out from context, but I, I Googled it anyway because I was trying to prove <laughs> a point to my dad. <laughs> I love I love uh, teenage slang. But it, well, and maybe maybe that's also pertinent to our conversation because it's like, how do you communicate to these people uh, what you actually want them to understand? Um, and sometimes that takes hearing it in their own I don't even know if vernacular is the right word, but their own slang. Yeah. It um, sounds silly, but at least like you, you, you have to be approachable and like, look like you, like the sound, this is going to sound so silly, but literally I don't wear skinny jeans when I give presentations to smart. teenagers. Yeah. Smart. Because I'm like, they will literally be like, mm, you millennial. And like, just like think like automatically my credibility yep. will go down. So I, I, you know, show up looking like a teenager not not always but you know um but it's they automatically are like okay maybe she's maybe she's hip <laughs> except Gosh. that she used the word hip so that means that she's not <laughs> um, <laughs> what, are, but, what um, a very important and vital episode we're providing to people I listen know. everyone listening great. skinny jeans are out mom jeans are yeah. in flared the better <laughs> um but what yeah, about it's boots? ridiculous yeah, we could go on. I will. I could go on quite a bit. Uggs are um, still in fashion somehow. What That's the heck? made a comeback. Pla yeah, platform shoes. Stop, everybody. I, These I are all. Know. And then <gasps> the worst was when I saw the zigzag part was back. Yes. And uh -huh. I sent it to my friend who's 20. And I'm like, what is this? Why? Why? 
Why, Why is it are you back? doing it? Is it is it back? And she's like, oh, it's so in right now. It's like a TikTok trend. I was like, no. Do you know how hard it is to do zigzag? Like we did it first, man. We did it way back when. And there's a reason why it died. Let it stay dead. But yeah. <laughs> but oh authenticity. So authenticity is very yeah. important, though. So yes. and also teenagers are good at seeing that you're a hypocrite. Um, right. That sounds bad, but like they they can call you out. They see you. So that's part of it too. Is that uh, uh, you're not just like um like authentic you're you're authentic but you also you really need to watch yourself like especially like i am now a public speaker right for like my job um i want i need to like watch my behavior or my language like i don't know like i i feel like teenagers can see right through your bs mm -hmm. and they know when people are full of it and so i i think that's another Thing that I, um, especially when I'm like looking at people to maybe do a presentation with me or to come on a retreat, it's like I need to make sure that you are. It's like the whole walking the talk, talking that whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. I. It's when you get up in front of a group of teenagers or anyone really. I mean, I feel the same yeah, way around adults. Like if uh, if you don't give them exactly who you are, then you've lost credibility before you even open your mouth. So yeah. it is super important to be authentic. Um, but also at the same time, like here at Good Distinctions, we care about like, you know, the spice of life being good distinctions. So you maybe you don't wear your skinny jeans, but you can't go full mom jean because they'll know what you're doing. And so you got to find something in the middle somehow. So like that's a silly example, but it's clearly yeah. something that you've had to deal with. Um, yeah. I just wear the same old thing and I know. no one cares because guys don't get that kind of scrutiny but 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 when i'm speaking i absolutely have to change how i'm talking depending on who the audience is which i know we've already brought up but it's important to reiterate like when i'm with my teens in class i will use their slang because they know i know it and they know how to use it properly but mm -hmm. i have coworkers who if they tried it it would not work because they yeah. can't use it properly and it would just like drop like a lead balloon. So, <laughs> but then when I'm with adults, I actually have to catch myself sometimes like, all right, God, I can't say that because um, mm -hmm. they won't know what the heck I'm talking about. Because at the end of the day, it, what, what did you say the pro-life movement is about? It's about being seen, seen, known and loved, known and loved, right? So if you mm -hmm. see people and really see them, then that means having solidarity with them. And that is difficult kind of going back to this well, for pro-life people to look at those who are pro-choice, those who have these views that, that frankly we hold to be abhorrent. I mean, I, I can't say anything positive about the practice of abortion. Uh, and so it's difficult. Like how do we find ways to speak about it without saying something inflammatory and off-putting. Like you said, stick to the facts. Um, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's overly emotional to say like, and this one's gotten me in trouble on social media, like saying abortion is technically speaking murder. Um, oh yeah. That's a fact. It's, it's not my opinion, but my friends who are pro-choice just will shut me down. They won't, they won't even allow a conversation after I say that. How can we approach people with the truth, like such that 
saying abortion is murder. Like maybe we don't say those exact words, but how can we make that abundantly clear without being off-putting to the point where people won't actually have um, a conversation? So I think it all starts with remembering that everyone wants to be seen, known, and loved, and that nobody also wants to feel alone. Um, and that's going to come into play, especially when you're dealing with an actual pregnant woman, because it's mm -hmm. one thing like, you know, maybe your roommate comes up to you and like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Um, if you immediately are like, well, that's a life. That's not going to help her. She's going to be sitting there like, what about my life? You know? And yeah. so saying like, you're not alone, that will go a lot farther and recognizing mm -hmm. like, like, you know, we all have struggles. And so, um, my, one of my favorite stories about, you know, having conversations with pro-choice people, Stephanie Gray Connors was talking to a college student after one of her presentations and he was getting really fired up and mad. And in that situation, at a certain point, you have to just like step back. It's like, this is not productive. I don't, I don't deserve to be yelled at. I'm not going to rise to the mm -hmm. occasion and yell at you because then I'll prove to you that I'm an evil pro-lifer, you know? Um, so what she did was just, she just stepped back and was like, all right, let's just back it up. Um, tell me about yourself. And so he kind of immediately calmed down. People like talking about themselves in general, usually, or at mm -hmm. least it kind of um, makes it a bit more of a friendly conversation. And what she discovered in this conversation was that his mom had had an abortion a few months before she became pregnant with him. Mm. So he was sitting there trying to grapple with the fact that if abortion was illegal, he probably wouldn't even be alive. Like he was literally struggling with his existence. And mm -hmm. so knowing that she was able to kind of take like a different avenue and also just like affirm him where it's like, but you were clearly supposed to be here, you know, just, you know, taking a different avenue with him. But we have to remember that we don't know why this person's getting fired up, um, especially in cases of rape and incest. It's you don't know. The history, maybe this person has a friend, maybe this person has had an abortion, etc. And so it's easy to just think of all the the evil and get mad and try to like fight somebody, you know, it happens. But uh, remembering that we don't know why this person feels this way and just trying to make them actually feel loved and remember that if we really are pro-life, we think that every life has dignity and is, um, is valuable, right? And then that includes the person in front of you who's being a jerk to say it nicely. Um, and we don't want to rise to the occasion and be a hypocrite and like not be, not treat those lives as valuable. No, that's, that's really important. And I, I think it's important for us to check ourselves as well. I mean, I, uh, we, um, we've lost, uh, two babies to miscarriage. Oh. And after the first, uh, loss, I was talking to one of my uh, friends from college online. And I shared that with them when we were having an argument about abortion. And, uh, I mentioned like, I just can't imagine going through this loss and wanting it, like having chosen it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I thought it was a perfectly appropriate reflection meditation, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, and he said, well, those are, those aren't related at all. And I said, I, you're not allowed to tell me they're not related at all, actually. And, mm -hmm. uh, the pain I'm feeling is, is a loss of my child who is a human being. And, uh, his response to me, I'll never forget this. He said, well, I can understand where you'd be upset at the loss of the potential life. That's what I was going to ask. I was like, and I was like, wow. And, and he's got a doctorate in public health and oh, no. God help us. Um, so it's like, 
I, I said, all right, man, uh, I'll talk to you later. I, <laughs> so that was the only thing I could do in the moment. Cause yeah. what I wanted to say to him was not Christian. Not very Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I don't, I, I think we just have to check ourselves and be like, okay, what state of mind am I in? Can I even enter into this conversation? Um, and other times we'll be in, in situations that we weren't expecting where we have to rise to the occasion. I was, uh, I was at Mar- the March for life in, um, 2018, I think. And I had a, a bunch of teens from the parish with me. I was leading the trip and we were in front of the white house and, um, we had a big banner that we were carrying around everywhere with us. It was all rolled up. So we unrolled it and everybody got behind it. And I asked this guy standing near me, can you take a picture of us? And Uh he goes, Oh, okay. Okay. And it was very clear that this man did not speak a lot of English. Um, but he was smiling and I was smiling and that was enough. And he understood, Mm -hmm. you know, let's take a picture. So he takes a picture and then he, uh, he looks at the sign and he goes, Hmm. What is uh what is uh pro life mean? What is pro life? And I said, well, uh, mm-hmm. it means, you know, we're here for the march for life, and so it means that we're opposed to things like abortion and euthanasia and and just ex- ex- um, you know honoring human dignity and every single life has meaning and value and worth and and he goes, oh okay okay, uh, very friendly, and he goes, what's uh what's the other side of that? What's the other What's the opposite? And I said, well, that would be pro-choice. And he goes, okay, that would be me. I'm that one. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, the teens are like all gathering around in like this semicircle now. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy and I, he had just come from the Middle East. I can't remember what country. Um, And we were having a conversation for maybe 20 minutes in front of the White House with the teens around. And it was awesome because it was 20 minutes where we were both civil, just having this back and mm-hmm. forth. He was bringing up objections. I was answering him. I was giving some um, objections to pro-choice arguments. He was uh, answering them. And then uh, I was so proud of the teens, too, because he uh, he looks at three of the girls who were at this point, like inching closer, like just ready. They mm-hmm. they had just yeah. gone to a conference the day before. Mm-hmm. They were like, let's go. Um, so they uh, he goes can I, uh, can I address the the girls? And I said, yeah, um, girls, do you, do you care? And they're like, let's go. <laughs> I said, okay, good. <laughs> and so he turns to them and he goes, um, you know, what if it was you, what if you were, uh, 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 it was forced upon you. And I'm like, do you mean if they were raped? And he said, yes. And I said, well, girls answer the question. And they said, and so they, they looked at him and they said, well, it looks like we're pregnant, we're going to have a baby. And this is a good thing. And this is something that we should welcome. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. And they all of the uh, and it was actually Stephanie Gray that had given the talk the day before. And they just sort of reiterated her entire talk. Um, It was clear that they had digested it and they gave it right Mm -hmm. back to him. I have never seen a man look so confused in all his life. And it was amazing (laughs) and beautiful. Um, That's awesome. but that was, that was clearly unexpected. That was not something that yeah. any of us sought out, but it was a good thing. And it was something that clearly they had prepared for, um, not just being on the trip, but then also listening to the talk at the conference the day before. So, I mean, what sort of, what sort of things should we be doing practically, um, to sort of hone our abilities to even have these conversations? 
I think it's uh, really a disposition that we have to have uh, of openness and also not being judgmental. Because like I said, like when I'm, if I'm going to be snarky or if I'm going to be pushy, um, people aren't going to talk to me on social media, for example. Mm. It's when I'm just like, I'm not being neutral. Like they know what side I'm on, Um, but I'm open and not going to judge them. Like people are able to uh, connect with that but i know that there are plenty there you know catholics get a bad rap for this we're you know fairly judgmental and so i think that we have to bag the judgment um and that's the only way people are actually going to be able to have a conversation with us i think that's just like the number one pretty much the most important one but you do have to know your resources too so this is what mm. i mean this is what i usually tell teens because one, you have to be educated. You actually have to know your stuff. You have to know about some field development. You have to know what some of the objections are and how to respond to them. But you also have to know your resources. Like it's one thing to say, you should have this baby, but it's another thing when they're like, but where am I going to get this? And my parents are going to kick me out. And what if mom's addicted to drugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have to actually mm-hmm. know who to send them to. So I usually, I have little business cards that say you are not alone. And on the back, it says pregnant and need help. And there's numbers to call and text. And it's like everyone from Sisters of Life um, to, you know, our clinic, Life Choices Women's Clinic and Aid to Women and, and um, First Way and, you know, whoever else. Jacob's Hope is a great organization that takes care of babies born addicted to drugs and they help them go mm. through withdrawals. And that is really important to be able to say when uh, you have somebody who's like, but mom's addicted to drugs and this baby's going to be born with, you know, born addicted to drugs and suffering and his life's going to be awful, yada, yada, yada. And to say, well, we can take care of you. That's, that's, uh, that goes a long way. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Myra Rodriguez. You probably have. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Myra Rodriguez? Yep. So she is the former executive director of Planned Parenthood. And because of her, we know that she used to train her employees to never say congratulations when there is a positive pregnancy test and they're supposed to walk back into the room with like a look of like, Oh, and you know, if I do that to my toddler, she's going to automatically be like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong mom. And so they're Mm -hmm. trained at Planned Parenthood to come in and be like, Oh man, you're pregnant. And like immediately people are going to freak out. They're trained to not say congratulations. So we as a pro-life people automatically are going to be like, congratulations. Even if this girl is like, oh my gosh, I missed my period. Or, oh my gosh, my parents are going to kill me. Congratulations. What do you need? How are you feeling? Can I get you something? You are not alone. I'll walk with you. That goes a long way. Um, And unfortunately, not unfortunately, but statistics for when a man says that, like you are not alone and I will step up. It's something insane, like 86% more likely, like a woman will be more likely to choose life if a man in her life, not like a boyfriend, um, but a, a guy, male friend, steps up and says, you are not alone. She's more likely to choose life. And so um, that's that's important to remember. I know that Joel Stepanek has a great story about how he gave a good talk to uh, the guys at Steubenville kind of rallied them. was like, you need to step up and be defenders of life. Like, come on, men. And then remember that like you, you need to say you are not alone and so nine months later uh, a young man sent him a message on instagram and it's like hey i went to your talk came home and my friend not my girlfriend my friend said i'm pregnant and he immediately said like i, I got you i will walk with you 
And then he sent a picture to Joel of him holding his friend's baby. And it's just like the power of saying you are not alone and you are seen, known, and loved, and I will be here with you. Um, basically just being a decent human being, let's be real, <laughs> just, that could literally save a life. Uh, it's it's tremendous to me that the answer often can be very simple. Uh, love. <laughs> yeah, right. Like just solidarity. Like you aren't alone. I I think the statistics are, and this is not just Gen Z, but um, whatever the group after millennials is, or no, it's not Gen A and it, not just Gen oh, A, yeah. it's Gen Z as Alpha. well. But um, the Z generation spends statistically spends more time at home with their parents than any previous generation in history. And yet they feel the most alone. And I know when I, when I worked at a, a majority senior parish, the, the problem of loneliness was so palpable. And I see it in the teens um, at the school where I work and I see it all over the place. Like loneliness is a, a true pandemic. Like it's something that is affecting everyone today, even though we're interconnected and we have social media and all mm -hmm. these things, it doesn't seem to be doing the trick. <laughs> and yeah. so this, this human connection of saying you are not alone, it's not just about um, someone who is uh, facing an unplanned pregnancy. It, it's, it's really something that everyone wants to hear. Like you said, that idea of, of being seen, known and loved is, is sort of a universal thing, it turns out. Um, but to a, a point you made earlier, I I just want to point people to a, a resource that I have on Good Distinctions. If you go to gooddistinctions.com and type in the search bar, Judge Actions, um, there's an article and a podcast episode that I have on judging actions, not people. And it speaks to all of this, that we can, in fact, be judgmental of, not judgmental, but we can judge actions, moral mm -hmm. actions, without judging people. And that's incredibly important because if we don't make that distinction, then we're going to be judgmental a-holes and we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. What are one, two, or three of the biggest objections that you get, maybe from teenagers, um, when it comes to the pro-life movement? And then how can we respond with charity to not win an argument, but to convert hearts and minds? So... I think that I usually try to say that the majority of pro-choicers have good intentions where they think they're defending the mom, the, the woman. Um, mm -hmm. They have what they think is, I mean, it is like they have compassion for the woman and that is a good thing. So I, I try to kind of say, remember that. Um, but the number one, always pretty much with every youth group always is, is a rape and incest. And so I usually say, Hey, by the way, uh, not by the way, but um, so I usually try to say incest is kind of just tied into that. I have not heard an argument of abortion because of incest. It's rape and incest. So addressing mm -hmm. the rape, we go first and foremost, that should never have happened. I'm so sorry if that happened to you or somebody else. Um, I usually share, I know a lot of people in my life really close to me that have been raped and it's just heartbreaking and it, it's unfathomable that like it should never have happened. Um, it's heartbreaking. So starting there immediately getting some, um, reminding them that you are human. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then, uh, I also say like, Hey, um, you know, abortion aside, even let's look at, uh, the, 
justice system? Like, what are the consequences for the rapist? Um, I think that they should be harsher. And that establishes also common ground with somebody where it's like, yeah, there should be some actual punishment for the rapist. But we can say we don't even give the death penalty to the guilty party. Why would we give a death penalty to the innocent party? And so we can go that tactic of being like, yes, we agree. We agree that there should be some harsher punishments. Um, but what about this innocent party? This is a separate life. I also usually share a story of my friend in college who was raped at a party. She was drugged, raped. And people would all the time be like, so are you just going to look at your baby and see your rapist face? And she was just, mm-hmm. praise the Lord. She was like, no, it's not her <laughs> fault that she was not conceived in love, um, but she's a separate life. And if we play out that you know, uh, argument, it's like, okay, so because she reminds you of someone, we can kill her. Um, if maybe will your dad, you look just like your dad and your dad's actually a serial killer that everyone knows about. Maybe there's a Hulu documentary on him. Um, and we look at you and you're like, gosh, dang it. You look just like your dad and he sucks. We saw like we can kill you or do anything about it. It's like a separate life. Um, and then we also <laughs> to bring it back to the woman. See, there's like multiple arguments for this. Um, bringing it back to the woman, because that is very much what they're concerned about. Like the, the trauma of being raped and um, why would you let her go through that? Like, are you going to make her go through with this birth and like basically have to carry around evidence of her rape for nine months? Even if you're going to give the baby up for adoption, um, that's still going to be such a gruesome, you know, I didn't say gruesome, grueling nine months. Um, And so to that, we say abortion is very traumatic and we've talked to plenty of rape victims who have had abortions and they say, now we have two anniversaries that remind us of the other where it's like rape, um, my anniversary of the rape and the anniversary of uh, my abortion. And so we say trauma does not heal trauma and we see it all the time. Um, in social media that abortion is painted as this like beautiful, easy solution. Um, the founder of plan C, she, uh, helps really push abortion pills. Very long story short. Um, she even has said, Oh, this is safer than Tylenol. These abortion pills are safer than Tylenol. And it's just like, well, apart from that being inaccurate, um, (sighs) It's, we actually have a lot of stories or let's, let's talk about abortion. What is it going to happen? What's going to happen to your body as a woman? Let's not even think about the baby. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. how your body is going to be affected and the bleeding and the pain and the risks and what happens if this, like you had this complication, but you didn't know about it before you took an abortion pill in your bathroom. And also how traumatic it is to see that little baby, um, in your toilet. Because at 10 and a half weeks, the baby already has all of its essential organs. At 12 weeks, the baby's a pretty good size. And uh, we've seen babies on ultrasounds, all of our presentations, almost all of them, we accompany it with a live ultrasound. And it's Hmm. so powerful when it's like 11, 12-week baby and she's sucking her thumb. And it's like, look, this baby (laughs) is sucking her thumb. And no one talks about the trauma and I mean, that's not true. People are speaking up slowly and surely, but um, in the past and it's and you know, CNN, for example, they're not going to talk about the trauma of like, you're taking a shower and that little baby that was sucking her thumb is now on your shower floor. Um, and just, that's also why education is so important to actually know it's not just a clump of cells. It doesn't look like fuzz. Um, 
it's actually a little body. And abortion pill companies say that you can have take these uh, pills up to up to 13 or 12 or 13 weeks to keep pushing it um, farther and farther along. So yeah, so that's that's a very long answer for 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 objection number one. Do you want to weigh in before I go to number two? No, go for it. This is this is uh, I have okay, nothing. I, was to like, add. I, <laughs> I mean, this is very very thorough. I love it. Okay, I know. I, mean, I was I like, I just it. feel I hate bad the content, for it. but I love what you're saying. I know, yes. right? <laughs> um, I just feel bad that it's such a big chunk of of words. Um, so the second one that I get because again. God bless Gen Z, but they're they're very concerned about moms. They're they're compassionate. Um, what about when mother's life is in danger? And mm-hmm. first, I say like that is so rare. Like, I mean, thank you for thinking of that. Um, I'm sure the moms out there appreciate that, but also like it's so rare that um, you know that we can't take care of mom. And so maybe we'll say like okay, an ectopic pregnancy. We can talk about the ethics of that. We don't, and if, for those of you who don't know, an ectopic pregnancy is when the um, embryo is implanted in the fallopian tube instead of the uterus. So if the baby keeps growing, mom's going to die. And mm-hmm. we have to realize ethically, um, you'll be better at this, but I believe it's the cause of double effect. Um, is that it? Principle of double effect. Principle, yeah. Your principle of the, yeah, there you yeah. go. Principle of double effect. Whereas like, if, if mom, if we don't take care of mom, she's going to die and the baby's going to die. So we have to take care of mom. And if the the baby unfortunately dies because of having to save mom, that is morally okay. But that is completely different than her popping an abortion pill and ending a life. And who knows, maybe one day technology is going to be wild and we can actually take that embryo and implant it. Who knows? Um, I'm certain we will be able to one day. I mean, the things that they're able to do. I I think, wasn't it recently that a doctor did... um, neurosurgery on a baby oh like, i don't know but i believe in it. the womb yeah it was crazy yeah, and I'm like oh yeah it's yeah technology will be able to do it someday so what i usually <laughs> try to kind of push is like okay so you're not really talking about ectopic pregnancies um or even miscarriage management because people are like oh we're gonna go into septic shock and die um what i say is like okay so you're thinking like cancer um and so there's two different ways to answer it you can say like while there is the hero like i mean Think about how, you know, especially in America, we love a good hero. And really what makes a good hero is having an obstacle, but being selfless and choosing others. And so we can maybe if like I'm 12 weeks pregnant and if I don't get chemo tomorrow, I'm going to die. Again, we can kind of say like, well, we have to take care of mom. Otherwise, baby's going to die because baby's not far enough along. But if I'm at 28 weeks and that's the case, we can actually induce and again, knowing mm-hmm. your fetal development and knowing your abortion procedures, it's good to know because we can have baby born. We can induce and we can have a very, very good chance of keeping baby alive and then taking care of mom. Um, and so there was the other one. There's like the um, the cancer and then – no, I think that was it. I have to just scratch out the, the two different ways to respond to that argument. All right. <laughs> Um, the third one is a combo. Um, actually it's not even really the third one. One that I see like a combo of the two is when it's like a young mom. Like I've had kids be like, well, what about those 11 year old moms that, you know, this 11 year old was raped probably because of incest and also 
I mean, she's only 11. And I do, we do have to be compassionate. Um, and I, I do say that. I also point out, like, if the girl was able to get pregnant, um, God designed our bodies in a way that she should she's be able clearly, to bear that. She's baby. clearly pubescent. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, if she's able to have her period, if she's able to get pregnant, she's going to be able to give birth. And we also have to remember that culturally, historically, we used mm-hmm. to have babies a whole lot younger. Like mama Mary was like 13, 14. And so, yeah. um, but again, so we can kind of treat that situation kind of the same way that we would with the rape victim where it's like, let's talk about how we can take care of you. Let's get you some help. Let's take care of your mental health. You need to get some therapy, um, but let's walk with you and let's make sure you have everything that you need. Do you need diapers? Do you need um, someone to go with you to the doctor's appointments? That kind of thing. Um, and the last one that I have is a uh, kind of more from college students. Cause I don't think that, um, teenagers usually go there, but they say, if we make abortion illegal, then more people are going to die. Cause there's going to be like the back alley abortions. Moms are going to be taking into their own hands kind of thing. And then all these moms are going to die. So there's gonna be more deaths, mm-hmm. um, to which it's just not true. And we can say that we can look like even in Arizona, when um, we temporarily had a blissful short period of time where abortion was illegal after Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. And we had people at the the Glendale abortion clinic be like, well, it's illegal. I guess I'm having a baby. And we've seen like when it's illegal, people usually are like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to try. Um, but then there's also, unfortunately, People like Alyssa Wells, who I mentioned earlier, she was one of the founders of Plan C. And Plan C is this awful company that will pretty much make sure that you can get your abortion pills no matter what. Um, I've gone in and pretended like I was ordering abortion pills. And you can even say, I'm 12 weeks pregnant. And they'll be like, cool, your pills will be there in four weeks. I'm like, well, I won't be 12 weeks pregnant in four weeks. But they also will sit there and walk you through uh, the legal loopholes and how you can Mm -hmm. get around them. And Alyssa Wells had said um, basically that, that this whole back alley abortion thing is a myth um, or like that more people are going to die because of these kind of companies. And so even the pro-choice side, one of the founders of this ginormous company who's just trying to, no matter what, make sure that you get your abortion pills, she's even saying that's not true. Um, we are <laughs> far beyond technology-wise. Like we, we can make sure you have a safe abortion basically. And that's when she was like, it's safe in the Tylenol. Um, so even the, the pro-choice side is like, no, that's not really a thing. Um, not everybody, of course, but uh, the, the at least the founder of this abortion pill company, which I found really interesting. Well, it, it seems to me that a lot of these are borrowed arguments from 50 years ago. These are pre-Roe v. Wade arguments that are more or less completely unnecessary today. I mean, this idea that women will just, you know, find a way to do it themselves. That's not true. That's not happening. And if it is happening, I, I, it's not happening in any quantifiable numbers. If anything is happening, it's people who are being paid by their companies to just go to another state at the moment. But that aside, um, there's also one other just little thing that I'll mention. It's not really an argument so much as just a observation um, is that when we're talking about rape and incest, especially there's nothing that rapists like more 
in terms of control than collusion with Planned Parenthood. Because mm -hmm. if you can just or quietly get an abortion, right, then you can just keep uh, uh, the human trafficking bit is absolutely connected to all of this. And it's so interesting. You brought up like even the pro-choice side is saying the facts. Well, like the Guttmacher Institute, which was founded by um, Alan Guttmacher with Planned Parenthood, even said something, I, I think it was 60, 70 years ago, that more contraception leads to more abortions. Mm -hmm. Even though they say, well, if we make contraception free and available, then it'll lead to less abortions. So, I mean, there's a lot of misinformation. Um, there's a lot of different arguments out there. <clears throat> and in the end of the day, it all boils down to are people being seen, known and loved? And is the unborn a member of the human family or not? Um, and the facts don't lie. It is uh, that is not a clump of cells. That is a human being. From the first moment of conception, uh, as you say, from the womb to the tomb. So thank you for taking the time to walk through these different objections and sort of answering how can we change hearts and minds and uh, sort of bring truth to the forefront uh, in the pro-life movement while not being judgmental, while approaching people with dignity and with respect uh, and recognizing that every life is sacred and there is a way that we actually can still have a conversation. We haven't become too polarized in our society to approach people, to see them and be able to step back from that precipice and actually have a human to human interaction. So uh, well thank you so much for coming on. And uh, where can people uh, find more about Life Choices? So you can go to actually our Instagram at Pro Life Education. Um, it wasn't taken, and I jumped on that. So we also have a website, <laughs> ProLifeEducation.com, and then um, our Instagram is at Pro Life Education. And we also have a upcoming retreat for high schoolers, March first to third, two thousand twenty-four. In case you're wondering, um, it'll be in Prescott, but it's a whole weekend where we dive into all the pro life topics extensively. We'll have Maya Rodriguez there too, and I mentioned her earlier, and we will have Michael Villanueva from Theology of the Body here in Phoenix. We'll have so many good speakers talking about all the different pro life topics, and it's almost like a pro life boot camp. Um, so if you want more information about that, you can also go to at Pro Life Education to find out more. Excellent, I love Michael and. Uh... Everyone listening, go to gooddistinctions.com, subscribe today. Uh, go check out all the resources for Life Choices Women's Clinic. You know, in Phoenix, we have so many different resources to help people in every stage uh, of life, uh, including St. Vincent de Paul, one of the largest St. Vincent de Paul centers in the world, really, um, here in Phoenix. So lots of things to see in the Valley of the Sun. Uh, but Sammy, thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excellent.